So this morning, what I want to do is just ask you to open your Bibles. And um, someone asked me if I was going to be here today. I said, where else would I be? I'm going to be in church. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to be with my family. And uh, then we will go and be with my earthly family uh, this week. So turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5 is going to be our, our, our text this morning. As we continue a series we began called The Giver. And the focus of The Giver is uh, we've been talking about understanding who the Holy Spirit is and how He relates to our life. And uh, we've talked about various aspects of that, of how He leads us to salvation, how He, how he reminds us the words of Christ, how He gives gifts into our lives so that we can be uh, effective in our ministry and witness, and understanding that He is, a, he is not an accessory that we can choose whether we want to, uh, to have in our life, but he's, he's standard equipment for the believer. And we just got to learn to let Him operate in our lives today. And today what I want to talk about is His ability to put into our lives dreams, visions, directions, purposes that lead to giving God honor and glory and praise. So won't you pray with me this morning? Let's just dive in. Father, God, you're so good to us. And God, I thank you, Lord, that at every turn in life, God, Lord, you are there. And God, Lord, you, you extend your arms around us through the church, God, and I thank you for that, Lord. What an awesome privilege it is to be part of the family of God here at Hope. And Lord, I, I pray that, God, you would open our hearts to you today, God. Father, there's something that you, uh, Lord, have spoken into me, God, to, to speak out today. And I, did, I know this, Lord. I know that your Holy Spirit takes your word and makes it alive in each of our hearts individually. So God, help us, God, to receive today. And Lord, help us to be changed, God, God, forever. Lord, we give you praise. We give you thanks and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, we, we serve a giving God. Would you agree with that this morning? I mean, I think most people, uh, especially here in the States and even more so in the South, if we know anything, we know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in it should not perish but have everlasting life. We serve a, a giving God. And then the scripture confirms that in so many ways. In fact, you don't need to turn, it'll be on your screen. But in James, James, the brother of Jesus, uh, wrote this in James 1. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. You know, everything we have comes from God. Everything, the breath, that song this morning, that was perfect, for he's the giver of life, isn't he? Hey, have you ever done that, just cut yourself in the middle of the week and go, oh, yeah, God is good. He continues to sustain us. He's the giver of, of love. In fact, if you ever want to know what love is, love is God. You study who God is, we recognize what love is and how we're to love each other. It all flows from that relationship we have with the, with the giver of life. He gave us salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And for all those who are believers today, we can say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Just thank you, God, for he took our sins upon him. He went to the cross for us. He died for our sins, and he rose from the grave. He rose from the grave, and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that is good news, isn't it? I, I was sharing with someone this week that uh, I am very, 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 very blessed uh, as a young man, to be raised by a godly mom and father. And there is nothing in my mind today that struggles with what's happening with my mom right now because you know what? What is true in the Word of God is true as we live it out. That the moment her last breath was taken on earth, in that moment she was made whole and is now in heaven with our Lord because of what he did on the cross for us. And I praise him for that. So there's no thought of, of not celebrating that. There's just that, that hurt of knowing it's 
the celebration is going to have to wait till I get there too. And, and Lord, let that wait a while, okay? So just saying, all right? So he gives us salvation. He gives us the Holy Spirit. It is the, the Holy Spirit in Jesus' word is the promise of the Father. In fact, Jesus said, he said, listen to the disciples. He said, it's better for y'all that I go away. He goes, there's only one of me. <laughs> you will only find me where you are and where I'm with you. He said, but when I go away, I'm sending you another counselor, one just like me, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to live in you and be with you always. Guys, we are never alone because of the giver of our Father giving us the Holy Spirit. We talked a few weeks ago about him giving spiritual gifts, and today I want us to focus on him giving us these desires of our heart, these dreams that lead to the fulfillment of being what God created us to be. So the text this morning, Psalm 37, verses 3 through 5, very familiar to many, says this, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of what? Your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. I love that scripture. It's always been one of my, my favorite passages in the Psalms. You know, we, we hear all the time, you know, it, it, like an athlete or, or an actress or someone, it's, it's a dream come true. And they speak about some highlight in their life. We watched this last year, the Olympics, which are one of my favorite uh, uh, sporting events that we ever have, and, and, we, and we saw these dreamers that had been pursuing a dream for years and years and years to finally, in a moment, step to the stage of fulfillment and hope it goes okay. You know, we, we live in a world that's been really developed by dreamers, people that, that see something that no one else can see, that, that believe there's something better than, than what they see right now. We go back in history. We can study that, right? We go back to history 101. We're about to see school start again. Sorry, kids. Uh, it's coming up soon. But, you know, Christopher Columbus, we, we, you know, hey, he set out to sail for a, a new land uh, with hopes that it would be something better. It would be an honor to God. Henry Ford had a dream, a car that everyone could afford. We need to remind Ford about that uh, again. Uh, Martin Luther King, I was in Birmingham this week. I mean, dreamer. A guy that saw something that if we ever listened to his words that he spoke, I'll tell you, they were birthed of God for us to dream of a nation the way it ought to be before the Lord. They were all dreamers that had this, this desire to see something better than it could ever be. In the Bible, we see dreamers again and again and again. The original dreamer for those that grew up in Sunday school was Joseph, right? His dreams kind of got him in trouble, but they were still dreams of God because he had something. He was open to God to say, Lord, dream through me what you want. Caleb. Joshua, I love Caleb and Joshua, man. They didn't let anything get in the way of their dreams. The apostles, they were martyred with an unwavering faith that the Jesus, the Messiah who died on the cross and rose from the grave is coming back. And because of that, they literally gave their lives so that no one would go into eternity not knowing that Jesus Christ died for them. Martin Luther, thank God for Martin Luther, who just looked at the church one day and said, something's gone wrong here, <laughs> and said, we're not going down this path. And he, he came out with a, his thesis that has really changed the world, and we praise God for that. Men that I study like William Carey, one of the fathers of, of modern missions, he, he made a statement one time, and I, I've always had this in my notes just to remind me of, of, of how to look toward God. He was a dreamer, and he wrote, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. That's, that's a dreamer, isn't it? Someone that wants to expect God's greatness, but also will attempt great things for him. I grew up in a church that we, we, we heard a lot about a man named Mark Buntain. Does anybody recognize that name here today? He, he was a, 
He was before Mother Teresa, okay? Uh, Mark Montaigne and his wife Hilda uh, began to reach out to the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, India. And they formed Mission of Mercy there that still to this day is one of the most gracious, benevolent organizations to reach into a very hard place on this earth. Billy Graham was a dreamer. Would you agree with that? I mean, he got a parkway named after him. You know, you can't go wrong with that, right? Billy Graham, he was a dreamer. He, he dreamed that, that there would be people that would come to stadiums and listen to a man simply teach John 3, 16 without any fluff or anything else, and like thousands of people come and get saved. This world and the kingdom of God has been built by dreamers. They had one thing in common, and that is their dream consumed their lives because it ultimately brought glory to God and defined who they were. Listen, guys, God has a redemptive purpose in every one of us. He created us for his glory and his honor. He created us to know him, and as we come to know him, he reveals to us a redemptive purpose in our lives. We call them dreams or desires of our heart that, that lead us to, to minister blessing to other people. Henrietta Mears, it'll be on your screen this morning. I love this, this saying. It said, it isn't what you wish to do. It's what you will to do for God that transforms your life. Isn't that true? It's not just good wishes. We, have all, we all have good wishes, but we, we act on those because it's something God puts in our heart. Listen, I believe this morning I'm speaking to a room full of dreamers. I, I believe with all my heart that I'm speaking to people that, that have gathered together and understand that God has given each one of us a dream, a dream that goes beyond worldly success. Because that's where most of the world's mind goes in dreaming, isn't it? God has something greater than just what we can have on the earth. The world, uh, the world dream kind of perverts the, the scripture a little bit that, that we're all so familiar with. And the world says, I know the plans I have for me, plans to prosper me and give my family a future. And you say, well, that's not a bad thing, but that's not what God said in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you from God. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a what? And a future. We serve a giving God, amen? You see, we are all dreamers. You may be here, you may be listening on podcasts today, and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, but yet something is drawing you to him because deep inside of you, you believe there has to be more on this earth than what you're experiencing to this point. There has to be more than living in guilt and shame over things that many times you can't even control. There has to be more than, than just living it out trying to figure out your mark on this earth. There has to be more. And you're dreaming of freedom from guilt and shame. You're dreaming of, of a purpose and meaning. You're dreaming of relationships where people literally love each other more than themselves. And a relationship that can be fulfilled only where love rules and where love rules God is evident. For those who've received Christ as their Savior, God plants seeds of dreams in each one of us. And they'll ultimately shape our lives as we learn to trust in him, delight ourselves in him, and commit our ways to the Lord. You see, deep in each one of us, there's a dream to be involved in the redemptive process for somebody else. You see, our dreams aren't just about retirement. Our dreams aren't just about uh, a big vacation. Our dreams aren't just about having a job or a, or, a, or a place to live. If we are a follower of Jesus Christ, our dreams always line up with God's redemptive and restorative purposes for somebody else. 
that through us, God would lead the lost to the place where they are saved. And when they're saved, he'll lead them to the point where they are delivered and no longer in the bondage to the habits that destroy. And when they're delivered, they'll be redeemed. They find their purpose and they begin to get plugged into a local body of Christ. And that's where they find fulfillment. That's God's dream in every single one of us. But it manifests itself in many, many different ways. You see, when you fall in love with Jesus, the dreams of your life will always follow his heart toward you and his heart to the world around you. I love Acts 2.17 because one thing I, I value is that dreams never stop growing. Dreams never stop growing no matter how old you are. I, I run into a retirement mentality when I, when I preach at other churches, and I know there's not a lot of us at Hope that are approaching retirement, but as I preach at other churches, I run into this, in this kingdom retirement mentality. Oh, let the young people serve. We're going to just hang out and eat donuts and drink coffee and show up. No. Listen, God's dream in you does not die until the day you take your last breath. Would you agree with that? And God continues to use that dream to lead others to him. In the book of Acts, Acts 2.17, the prophetic word that was spoken about the day of Pentecost, Peter said this, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Can I get a praise God for that, amen? So there's not this point where all of a sudden we become irrelevant because of age. God dreams dreams through men and women of God who want to see a world different because of salvation flowing through the lives of others. I thank God for dreamers. I thank God that there are people who commit their ways to him. I thank God there are people that will open their lives up and say, God, whatever it is you can use in me, Lord, use it. I was raised by a couple of dreamers. They weren't, they weren't ministers. They don't have Rev in front of their name. They have no theological degrees. But my, my precious mama uh, she's the church pianist and organist. Yes, there were organs in church. Can I get a hallelujah? You know where the church organ is in College Station? It's in my mom's living room right now because the church stopped using it and they gave it to her to take it home because no one knew how to play the thing, right? But, uh, but she was like, you know, church lady, church lady, you know, playing the piano. And uh, I grew up knowing all the hymns. Hallelujah, right? And I grew up also not knowing what it meant to show up late to church because we had to be there early always because she started the service. So I thought church started like at 9.30, not 10, because we were there. And mom started with the, you know, the big blow up. And then the hymns like, you know, first, second, fifth verse. I don't know why. But you know what I'm talking about. That was, that was church growing up. And, uh, and I love that because she used her gift of music to bless others and lead them toward Christ. My dad's a veterinarian. He works on cows and dogs and pigs and horses. But God used his gift of teaching to teach Sunday school and to lead others, his students, to Christ and be a reflection of God's glory wherever he was. You see, dreams are not just for a select group of people that are missionaries or evangelists or prophets or apostles or pastors or teachers. They're for every one of us. And every one of us has a dream that God has put in us that should be part of the redemptive process for someone else to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord. But how do we know these dreams? This is where I want to get very practical with you this morning. So, so whip out your, uh, your, your sheets, your, your communication cards, and, and take a few notes here, because I, I want you to capture some dreams again, church, because I believe we're living in a day where the world needs the church to dream again and believe God can do greater things in the days ahead than in the days before. So how do we know? 
How do we know God's dream in our life? A couple of things. First of all, I, I believe this, and I see it in Scripture, that God will never lead you where you don't desire to go. Now, you're looking at me like I looked at myself in the mirror when I wrote that point. Because I'm like, really? Is that right? God will never lead me where I don't desire to go. You see, that, that's one of the things that people freak out on. And they're like, you know, if I, if I literally give my heart to Christ, I mean, he's going to, like, ask me to move to, like, I don't know, like Iran or Iraq somewhere and be a missionary where they're, like, blowing people up, and I'm just not doing that. Or he's going to ask me to, to leave and, and go stand on a corner and preach or all these things. And we, we kind of pull back. We're like, God, I don't know if we can trust you. That's what it's about. You see, God will never lead you where you don't want to go because here's the deal. He will change your heart before he ever leads you there to a place where you can say, that's what I want to do. Because God doesn't call us kicking and screaming. He's like, he works on the inside out before he ever drops that dream in our heart that leads us into a place where we are using our, our purpose again for people to know Christ. I, I've shared you my testimony before. When I was, uh, like some of you guys graduating from college uh, last year and coming out in your first career, that was me. At 22, my dream was very clear. I was going to make money, I was going to do well in business, I was going to show up in church and sing in the choir, and I was going to write the check and fund the kingdom of God. That uh, Don't get my hands dirty, don't mess with people, I didn't like people that much, and I'm just going to hang out, and I'm going to just like smile. And I'll be the one the pastor loves because he knows he writes the check. But God began working on my heart many, many years before he ever called me into ministry. There was always a sensitivity in me. I, I grew up not really liking church that much. And I was, oh, God, I just, no, I just want to blend in. God began to shape my heart. And when he called me, it wasn't that like, oh, my gosh, why would I do that? It was already preparing something inside of me. And we have to recognize that God puts us in places to prepare our hearts to do that which he made us to do. He's going to shape you before he calls you. The second thing about God's dreams are this. God's dream for you is a personal dream all of your own. It is no fun living somebody else's dream. Can I get an amen to that? Because you never were called to live somebody else's dream. That's the whole problem with comparison. You know, I just got back this week. Uh, Scott Miller and Matt Perkins and Whit Whitaker and I went to a, a conference in Birmingham, uh, the, the kind of the mothership church of the, of the ark, which we were a part of. And, I, and I'm watching uh, Chris Hodges' dream being fulfilled. They had 54,000 people at Easter. And how many know... I can't pursue his dream. i got to pursue my dream, right? Or I will go nuts. You, you have to recognize God's dream is a personal dream for you. Listen to this out of Psalm 139. It says, for, for you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Listen, gang, the innermost part of your personality, your being, who you are, is a special creation. You are a limited addition from God. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm pretty unique. Would you do that right now? Just, just express that to them, and I'm looking at Mel and Justin, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah. we're pretty unique, right? You know, God stamped it like, there's one, Mike Field. There's one, Peggy Cherney. There's one, Justin Leedy. Listen, God has a unique dream and purpose in every single one of us because he was intimately involved in our developments. Listen, 
God's destiny for you and I was foreordained before you or I were ever a gleam in our earthly father's eye. God had a destiny and purpose for us to be on this earth at this time, at this moment, to use the unique blend of our passions, our personality, our gifts, our experiences to put together this life that is part of the redemptive process for someone else to engage Christ in. You know, as parents, we say some silly things to our kids sometimes. You remember? You realize that? We, 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 we say, especially when they're young, we're like, you know, hey, if you do that, your, your eyes are going to cross, they're going to stay that way, you know, or, you know, if, if you don't, it's going to, you know, we, we, just, we just say stupid things because it's what our parents did. And, and, and one of the things I thought about long ago was we say something to our kids that, that I, I get why we say it, but it's not really true. And that's when we look them in the eye and say, you can be whatever you want to be in life. You know that? And why do we say that? Because we're trying to bust the ceiling out, right? We're like, hey, anything's possible. But anything's possible in Christ. You can be anything you want to be in life, and you can be miserable. You can be absolutely miserable if you're pursuing your own goal, your own dream that has nothing to do with God, has nothing to do with God's purposes. You can do it. Or you can discover how God made you and shaped you and formed you. That's really what parenting is about. We help them discover that. And when you do that, then you pursue dreams that are from God, that line up with him, and you live your life in a fulfilling, blessed way. Listen, whenever I see someone pursuing something that they're just not, I just want to stop them and go, look, gang, maybe you need to go back to square one again and say, God, is this really what you want me to be and to do? Because in that you will find fulfillment. So that's the second thing. The third thing is this. The key to, to really walking in the fulfillment of our dreams is a word we don't like, and that is the word submission. D.L. Moody. I, I love these guys who, who like had quotes, right? I mean, they, they said important stuff. D.L. Moody. It is yet to be seen what God can do with a man who will yield himself completely to God. Think about that. Who will yield himself completely to God. If we're going to ever see God's dream fulfilled in us, it all boils down to do we trust God or not? Because that really is what submission is. Do we trust God's way? Do we trust God's plan? Because trust means we rely on him. It means, it means giving up control. We, we don't like giving up control, do we? It means like, here, God, take over. I, I saw the stupid bumper sticker the other day, God is my co-pilot. Man, you're in the wrong seat if God's your co-pilot. I'm just telling you. He is either everything or he's nothing. He, he is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Are you listening to me this morning? If we're going to walk in the fulfillment of God's dream for our lives, we give him control over all things and we dwell in his presence. We long for what we just did a while ago, worshiping God together because in his presence, that's where we connect and we, we hear and we, we see things differently. We feel things differently because we're in his presence. We feed on his word and we enjoy him and commit our lives to him. Listen, all of us struggle with areas of control, don't we? There are still parts of my life that I'm like, I want to give it to you, God, but I'm not feeling real good about it right now. I'll take that back. I'll work on it, God, then I'll give it back to you later. And he's like, no, just give it to me because you're just messing it up. And when we mess it up, because we try to take control over things. Listen, if your marriage is not fully submitted to God, you're in trouble. If, you're, if your parenting is not fully submitted, you're in trouble. If your business is not fully submitted to God, you're in trouble. Listen, gang, he said, I will be Lord, but I will not be second. I'll be Lord. I'll dream through you. I'll make it happen, but I will not be second. 
It all comes from submission to the Lord. So these dreams that we have, if we, if we give them to God, we recognize that he is the one who's responsible for fulfilling them in us. You see, God's dreams are always bigger than us, aren't they? That's one way you know it's God's dream, isn't it? God's dreams are always bigger than us. They, they can't be accomplished in our own strength. We need others to help us. We need God to lead the way and provide. God's dreams can only be accomplished through his power and his glory. You see, we need people. We need God's people to dream big dreams that are bigger than themselves. You know, the world has big dreamers, don't they? I took my daughter last year. Today's Chloe's birthday. She's 19 today. And last year, we took her to Disney World. How many know that's the yeah, happiest place on earth? Unless you're a parent paying for it. Yeah. Well, Disney had a dream. That's a pretty cool dream, wasn't it? That guy could put some stuff out there. I like him. All right, good stuff. How many believe Bill Gates had a dream? You don't like Bill Gates? I like Bill Gates. He got to rock the world, didn't he? There were other people had dreams, but there are people that you don't, you're not going to hear about that had bigger dreams that are impacting even greater things. There was, there was a man named Greg Surratt who He's just a pastor of a church in Charleston that had a dream that, man, we could plant churches around the world that would actually be life-giving and, and would reach lost people. And, and he founded the ark by just making a little investment to another guy and started a church. And there started another church, another church, another church. Listen, we support the ark as part of our missions giving from hope. And we're responsible every year for 200 new churches being started in America that are reaching people for Jesus Christ. And now they're going around the world. It all started because he had a dream there could be a better way to do something. There, there's a man named Greg Crescell that pastors a little church called Life Church in Oklahoma, which is really like a huge church. But uh, Greg had this idea that these phones that we are like addicted to now could actually be used for good. And, and he created this app called Uversion that probably most of you have on your phones right now. And there's a kid's version that's just even more amazing because he believed the Word of God needs to be with you always. I was reading my my scriptures, one-year Bible this morning on my phone before I got here. They were dreamers. They, they saw something bigger than themselves, and they said, if we just go for it, God will provide what we need, and that brings it to pass. So dreams are bigger than you. Here, here's another way you know whether your dream is from God or not. Do you hold the dream, or does the dream hold you? Do you hold the dream, or does the dream hold you? Can I tell you, there are a lot of people that like to kill dreams, we live in a world of dream killers. I'm going to talk about that when I get back from Texas in a couple of weeks, about how do you overcome dream killers. But there, there, there's something about a dream holding you. Because if you're doing anything from God, there's going to be critics. There, there's going to be naysayers. There's going to be discouragers that will try to derail your dream. And, and I'm not saying they're necessarily bad, because sometimes I think God even lets them come into our lives to, to really see if we're serious about the dream. But if the dream holds you, can I tell you something? Nothing, nothing, nothing will get in the way of you pursuing that dream until its completion. You, you will not lose strength. You'll not let go. You'll not, you'll not let the discouragement that's going to come overwhelm you. Because if it's God's dream in you, it'll grip you and hold you. And you'll never be able to escape it. We, we have a term in the church called running from God. Anybody ever run from God besides myself? Right? Oh, man, they're running from God. What does that mean? It means they don't want the dream to catch up with them. 
They're a little concerned that if they really have to go for it, they're going to have to change some things. God's going to have to really become Lord of all, and we run from God. But I'm telling you, when God finally gets a hold of you and that dream gets in your heart, then I want you to know something. It grips you. I, I know what's going to happen when I go home to Texas. I, I know what's going to happen. I have so many families and friends that live there in College Station, and the, the little church that I grew up in, most of them won't go there anymore. It kind of got weird. And, um, and I know what's going to happen. Because it happened last time I was there. They started, hey, Mike, can we have coffee? Yeah, I have coffee with you. Man, we got this group of 30 people. They'd like a church, you know. And you're, you're, man, you're the Aggie. You know this place. Why don't you come? We'll, we, we'll get around you. We'll fund you. I'll hear it time and time again. Here's my problem. God gave me a dream of you in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it has gripped my heart, and God's not done with that dream yet, all right? So uh, when I come back, I'm like, see you, Texas. I'm, I'm, I love you. I'll be buried there someday. But Charlotte, North Carolina is where God's dream for Mike is, and that's where I go because I don't want to escape it. I want to be in the middle of it because it leads to people coming to know Christ. And that's more important than a bunch of Christians having a church together because they don't like the other church. Amen. Here's the third way we're going to wrap this up. Are you willing to give your life to the dream? Are you? Are you willing to give your life to the dream? You see, half-hearted attempts at following God never turn out real good. Just read the Old Testament. Half-hearted attempts at dream fulfillment leave people hurt, disillusioned. People give up on a dream too soon, and people get hurt because they're following that dream. I learned a long time ago, when you do anything half-hearted, you you tend to get hurt. When I was a kid and I, I played football, my coaches always said, you, you, you play halfway, you can get your clock knocked, all right? And, and there's no joking about that. If you just like going through the motion, something's going to hurt you. And it's no different in our pursuing of God and pursuing his dream. If we just kind of half-heartedly, well, I can be committed about it, or I not can be committed, it really doesn't matter. You know, get, you know what happens? We get hurt. We've got to ask ourselves, are we, willing to, are we willing to do whatever it takes Are we willing to do whatever it takes to pursue the dream God's put in our heart? Are we willing to say quit is not in our word, quit is not in our vocabulary? Are we able to say that the critics don't matter? You know, people say, well, what if you fail pursuing God's dream? Listen, if it's God's dream and you're going for it, there is no failure. There may be a time and season for that dream, but if you've been fully committed to him, there is no failure. I'd rather die trying than to sit back on the banks and go, I just don't know if I should try this or not because it might fail. Seven out of ten church plants fail in America today. Believe me, that statistic's like right here on heads of church planters. And the reason we jump in is because God gives us a dream that is greater than the possibility of failure. And in the same way, he does that in you. Because if it really is about reaching people, then your dream will take you to places you never thought you would go. But too many people stop before it's done. Milo Arnold, who I have no idea who that is, had this great quote, just being honest. Those who turn back know only the ordeal, but those who persevere remember the adventure. I'd like to fist bump Milo if Milo's still alive. That's an awesome quote. And I I saw this years ago. I took a a team of, uh, at the church we served in South Charlotte, we went out to a conference in Phoenix, Arizona one year. Never been to Phoenix, great place. And we had some time to to kill, and someone told us about a a hike to this place called the Vertes Arch. And uh, I don't know if you you can Google it later. But anyway, we get to hiking, and and the trail is not, it's not like Carolina, okay? You know, you go to the Smokies, you go to the Blue Ridge, there's trails that are really easy mark to follow. 
we're walking through the desert. And my gang's like, thanks, Pastor. Yeah, we could be like at the coffee shop right now. But you want to see this arch? I'm like, we're seeing the arch. And so we're walking, right? And we keep walking, and there's like cactus. And I'm like trying to read the trail map. Like, I think we take a left of the next cactus. Oh, there's 10 of them. Okay, let's figure this out. And, and we keep going, and we keep going. It's been like 45 minutes. It's hot. We didn't take enough water. And all of a sudden, we run into these ladies. They're coming back this direction. And we're like, are we almost there? Are we getting close? And they're like, uh, we don't know. We gave up. And I was like, oh, that's not good. My gang's all looking at me like, Pastor, we're going to kill you, right? You better be dinner, better be good tonight, right? And uh, I, I finally went up and said, we are not giving up. I came to Arizona to see the Vertes Arch and never knew about it until I got here. But I'm going to see it anyway, so let's go. And so we kept going, and no joke, where those ladies gave up, we went about 500 more yards, we turned a corner, and I saw one of the most beautiful natural formations I'd ever seen in my life. It was incredible. And the thought hit me. I'm like, they were that close, and they gave up. And they missed out the chance to see something glorious. And, you know, we do that so often. We're that close to breakthrough in our family. We're that close to breaking through in our marriage. We're that close to, to breaking through in the kingdom of God. And it's too easy to give up instead of pushing through. Listen, we've got to push through those dreams. Because when we lose heart, so often we're one step from victory. Listen, you're all dreamers, but what's your dream based on? What, 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 what is the dream of your life? Is it, is it a corner office for some or a retirement on a golf course or 15 minutes of fame? Or is it lining your life up with the dream God has for you so that others may come to know him as well? Here's my dream. I'm going to share it. Then I'm going to pray. We're going to celebrate. We're going to dunk some people in baptism. And then I'm heading to Texas. Here's my dream. Take it if you like it. I dream. I dream of a church that is more than a gathering of believers to hear the words, sing songs, and live like the rest of the world the rest of the week. That's a dream. I dream of a ministry center where people's lives are free to pursue the dreams they have and let God bring them out. I believe in a dream of a church that allows the freedom of the Holy Spirit to flow as we walk in love and unity with one another, flowing as one, honoring others above ourselves. I believe that. It's a dream. I believe in a church that sees souls saved, not by programs, but by lifestyle. I believe in a church that receives people based on, not on where they live or what they drive or how they dress. Can I get an amen? And what degree they have on the wall, but a church that captures the heart of God and therefore captures the heart of a community. I dream of a church that's indispensable to its own community. But you know what keeps those dreams from coming, that keeps them from happening in our lives? It really is a simple word. It's fear. Fear is what keeps most of us from pursuing the dreams God has for us because there's that fear of the unknown. There's that fear of commitment. There's that fear of being misunderstood, a fear of failure. But I'll tell you something, gang. Fear was conquered on the cross of Jesus Christ. It was conquered. I don't like funerals. Is that, is that fair to say? Don't like them. I like the celebration of lives that have served God, but I don't like funerals where people really don't know. Because you know what's consumed in that funeral when people don't know? Fear. Fear of death, fear of dying, fear of eternity. Because unless you have confidence that your faith is in Jesus Christ and he has promised you a new life, eternity with him, it's fearful. But when you have confidence you have confidence that not only the cross of Jesus Christ take care of our sins, 
but it also took care of our life. Because on the cross, we have to die also. We die to our ambitions. We die to our greed, our desires. And we lay everything down and say, Lord, I will follow you wherever that is, God, if it means your purpose being carried out in me. John 15, 7, we're going to wrap this up, says this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. How many think that's a great promise of God? Right there, isn't it? But understand something. His promise does not apply to everyone. Listen carefully. His promise does not apply to everyone. It applies only to those who choose to remain in him, to abide in him, to put their life in Christ and say, I'm never never leaving. It's the most important relationship in my life. And I'm going to hold on and I'm going to let God take me through this life. See, that, that's where the fun begins. That's where the fun begins when God takes you through this life. You see, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to impact. If we only do it, we make ourselves available. We're fully committed, and we let God dream through us. There's a quote I shared two weeks ago. I want to share it again with you. I just think it's such an awesome thought, and it simply says this, and we're going to pray. It says, when you were born, you cried, and the world rejoiced. We can do that around hope pretty well, right? Live your life in such a manner that when you die, the world cries, you rejoice. See, when you live the dream, guys, when you live the dream, (laughs) your life matters. When you live the dream, people are going to be blessed because you were here. When you live the dream that God dreamed before you were born, can I tell you something? You will be celebrated, not only on this earth, but there is a sal- there's a heavenly party going on over your life because you're living the dream that God put in you. My question to us this morning is, are we going to accept the dream God has for us? For some this morning, it means shaking yourself out of retirement in a spiritual sense and saying, I'm going to pursue the dream. For others, it's stepping to that edge of the, of the cliff like you're a little kid jumping in the water the first time and say, I'm really got to trust him, don't I, if the dream's going to be fulfilled? And you do, and he's trustworthy. For others this morning, it's going to be just opening your heart to God and saying, I, I really have believed there's a life better than I'm living. And I'm here to tell you today there is. And God is waiting for you just to open your heart to him. And he'll not only forgive you and cleanse you of your sins, He'll lead you into what is called righteousness. It's a way of life that honors him. And he'll restore, he'll restore, he'll rebuild in you the beauty that was robbed when sin came into your life. That's the promise of our Father. That's what we call salvation. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand today, and we're gonna close in prayer in response to God. And then we're gonna celebrate baptism. Uh, in fact, those who are being baptized, once we respond, if they could be getting ready. Um, But right now, I want you to bow your heads before God. I just want you to take a moment. I was in a store the other day, and I'm just being nice, and I was like, hey, how's it going? You know, it's that southern thing. And uh, the guy looked at me and said, I'm living the dream. He's being facetious. What he was saying was, life stinks pretty bad. I'm getting paid six bucks an hour to hand you a Coke. For most people, that is their existence on this earth because the biggest dream they have is just getting by. But I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross for you to get by. 
He died on the cross and rose that you may have life and life more abundantly. That's a good life. So this morning, I want to ask you just to bow your heads. I want to pray over you. And I want you just to consider, what is it that God's dreamed in me? Some of you have been shelved. Listen, just bow your heads. Some of you have been shelved. And life has shelved you. And for some of you, you're like, God can't use me because of what I've been through. But can I tell you something? Those marks and scars and, and experiences you've had, walking through, God will take all of those. Not only will he heal them, but he will use them to be a blessing to others. Because guess what? There is a broken, beat up, hurting world all around you that is not looking for perfect people, but are looking for people who have attached themselves with full commitment to a perfect God, whose love never fails, whose word never changes, who is full of integrity and truth. He's not a man that he should lie. And he doesn't change like shifting shadows. So if you're here this morning and you're feeling that shelf life, it's time to get off the shelf and let God dream through you again. For others this morning, you may be one that says, I just don't think God can use me. I don't have any gifts. Let me tell you, you are gifted. God has placed gifts in your heart. He's placed purpose in your life. He's placed personality traits in you. Listen, there are people that can only relate to God by meeting you because God uses us to reveal the uniqueness of him. So wherever you are this morning as I pray, would you just offer yourself to God once again and say, Lord, dream through me? Would you just offer yourself to God and say, God, Lord, those things that maybe were put in my mind and heart long ago that I've just kind of put away, God, bring them back to life today. Let God dream through you today. As I pray this morning, if you're one that's dreaming of a better life, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, that's where it begins. And I want to encourage you to pray with me this morning and ask the Lord to do what he's done for you, and that is to reveal himself to you, that as you ask him to be your Savior and ask him to forgive you of your sins and acknowledge him as Lord, that he will come and he will make all things new in your life. Father, God, help us. God, help us today, Lord God, to be dreamers. Help us today to be people that are willing to accept what you want in their lives, oh God, and Lord, to dream again. And God, I pray that as we do today, God, that Lord, there will be things that happen. God, that Lord, we can't even explain. They'll happen, God. And we will see others come to know you, Lord, through our willingness to trust you and obey. Father, I pray, God, today that, Lord, you would just shake the dust off of some dreams, Father. God, I pray today that, Lord, some people will leave this place today, God, and they, they just think they're going to watch NASCAR this afternoon, God, but, Lord, you're going to shake them, God, and, Lord, they're going to be troubled by, by, God, just that shaking in their life, God, because you're trying to reawaken a fire, God, reawaken a passion, God, that, Father, that, Lord, we've allowed to die out. And God, I, I pray in my own life, God, Father, Lord, let me never stop dreaming, God. God, let, let me never stop dreaming, God, what you want. And God, I pray, Lord, help me, God, to never stop trusting, God, that your ways are right. And God, that the paths of the righteous are ordained and ordered by you. I love you, God. I praise you. Now, Father, God, draw us to yourself. God, we're going we're gonna to celebrate communion, Lord. Help us to, Lord, acknowledge today, God, our need of the body of Christ. God, help us to acknowledge today our need of the blood of Christ to cleanse us from our sins. And God, we're going to celebrate you, Father, God, in baptism. Lord, what a, no better celebration, God. And Lord, I ask now, even prepare our hearts, God, to respond to you. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Amen. I'm gonna